Hello and welcome to another episode of The Hooligan Report. I'm joined this week by Cruyff. Good morning. And I'm also joined by DBAH0. Good morning or good, or good evening. <laughs> Depending on where you are in the world. Um, we've had the international break, guys, so it's been a couple of weeks since the Premier League games, but we'll, we'll stretch our memories back and, and chat about a few, few of the games from the last round of fixtures. Um, we'll start with the Watford-Arsenal game where I think uh, Arsenal were finally able to get three points on the board for the, for the first time of the season. Uh, and Sanchez and Ozil started to look quite good for you guys. So talk us through that one and, and how you saw that result. Yes, yeah, we looked uh, we, we looked pretty good from, from the off. I uh, admittedly didn't watch all of it, but uh, it was nice to uh, pick up three points uh, and, and, and take them home. But it, uh, Xhaka started his first game, so um, that was good to see and... Uh, we, we really started to find players were clicking. There was a, uh, the movement, and there was a lovely passing from Ozil and and Jacka and Kazola too, which which set up some fine moves. And uh, it was it was good to see players like that gel quickly and and click and and, and be able to produce uh, some moments of magic, I guess. Um, and DB, from from the perspective of Watford, they've obviously had a pretty slow start to the season and. Um, especially in that first half, they looked really lackadaisical and, and really just, you know, um, apathetic, really. But they came back into it a little bit in the second half and managed to get a goal goal back. But um, do you see it as worrying signs for Watford? I, I do. They've uh, obviously Walter Mazzari's come in, and I think I read the other day he's already used 23 different players oh, wow. over three games. So he's, he's trying to figure out who his best 11 is. And, um, you know, he's trying to use his 5-3-2 system that he's used in, in Serie A. And I think, obviously, the players aren't particularly used to that at the moment. So, you know, I think the first 10 games or so, it's really going to be uh, struggle straight stations for him. So uh, I think they are in trouble. But uh, whether, he, whether he will still be in charge come January, if they keep going the way they're going, I would highly doubt so. Uh, and then Cruyff, um, Giroud will probably come back into the starting eleven this weekend, um, and Sanchez will move back out to the wing. But Sanchez looked quite good um, in that striker role. So who who do you see making uh, for Giroud? Well, apparently Sanchez isn't a striker. So <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I think it, it'll go uh, Giroud up top, uh, Sanchez on the left, Özil at ten, and as much as I hate to say it, probably Walcott on the right. But and I'd, I'd play Chamberlain. Uh, no, he'll play deep with Jacker. Oh, okay. So, so who, who next would, to who would end up uh, getting dropped in that? Uh, oh, like I don't know to be honest. Um, um, who played on the right last one? Was it Walcott? Maybe it was Walcott. Mm. I don't know. Or oh, was Walcott? I can't Sh- even remember if Walcott was on the bench. Jure Jure Alex. Ox might have been on the left. Yeah, I think okay. Ox will go out. Okay. And um, so you'd have Giroud, Alexis, Özil, Walcott, Xhaka, Kazola. Well, fair enough then. Um, we also had uh, a match between two sides with 100% records going into the game and only one left the game with a 100% record, obviously, in Manchester United, who managed to score a 92nd minute winner against Hull. Um, a little bit of irony in that with uh, Phelan previously being the assistant manager to Fergie with all of those Fergie time winners and, and being on the receiving end of one this time around. Um, I don't know if you guys caught much of the game, but at least from my perspective, Ibrahimovic and Pogba were very underwhelming. 
Um, do we see there being a few issues that United have to sort through in terms of formation and management of those players to really get the best out of them? Or was it just a one-off sort of um, bad weather, Hull sitting behind the ball and the players just couldn't fire? Well, I, I think I think your, your best players can't play great every game. Everyone's going to have an off day here or there. Maybe it was just a uh, coincidence that they both weren't great um, against Hull. And as you said, that maybe the weather had a bit to do with it and Hull putting men behind the ball to try and stifle United attacks. But, I mean, it's maybe there's still some teething problems at, at United with with all the changes in personnel and the new, the new uh, tactical style and whatnot. But we saw against Southampton where, where Pogba absolutely came in and, and, and just looked like it was a walk in a pipe room. So... You just don't. It might have been off day for him and Ibrahimovic. Is, I guess we'll see as the season goes on. Um, and Typical then, yeah. Mourinho sort of uh, away performance with the scoreline, you could say. So, uh, you know, he, he would take one nil away victories, you know, every day of the week. So, but for Man United, even when they're not playing well, you know, having someone like Rashford who can come on and, you know, have that sort of quality to, to bring in for the last 10, 15 minutes of the game. It really makes a big difference in these sorts of close games for him. Um, and I saw the interesting stat that Rashford is the first teenager to score a goal for Mourinho, which, when you consider how long he's been um, been managing, that's quite ridiculous. It might be Premier League players. I, I can't remember the stat, but even so, that's still quite a ridiculous um, stat to see. Um, and then the only thing I'd touch on from a uh, from a whole point of view is Curtis Davies had another phenomenal game where. He, he had five interceptions for the match with where the next best was Blind, who had four. He had 17 clearances. The next best was Elmo with seven. And he had five blocked shots with the next best being one, which was an equal tie from about seven or eight players. So obviously the stats are warped a little bit because we were sat behind the ball. But, you know, you would think if, if, if that was the case, then maybe Livermore would also have similar stats or someone else in our defence would also have similar stats. But... Davies was head and shoulders above everyone else, and he was rightly rightly up for Player of the Month, I think. But um, I think it was announced overnight that uh, Raheem Sterling actually won it in the end. Um, but he he's been an absolute phenomenon for us, and has been one of the main reasons we've we've started the season so well. I think no, as well, given the circumstances around Hull, losing one nil to United isn't really, um, uh, I guess, a kick in the guts. It's no, we, anything, we had eleven fit. We, we had you had eleven fit players or fourteen fit players on match day one. Then you've gone. You're, you're facing a side that spent three hundred million pounds or whatever it's been, um, and then you've only lost one nil. It's real. To, if if someone had said to you um, at the start of August, "Hey, you're going to lose to United one nil," and you'd be sitting in fifth, sitting yeah. third or fourth. Yeah, exactly. You'd be like, sure, don't worry, we'll take it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Considering the circumstances that were surrounding the club. Obviously, in the in the heat of the moment, it was incredibly disappointing to hold out for 92 minutes and only, mm. and only concede at that point. But looking back on the game as a whole and our start of the season as a whole, it was hardly a disappoint, disappointment to, to lose one game in the first three. Um, and, and it's testament to the job that Phelan's done that we could actually set and, up and negate United so well. And considering you played the um, Premier League Champions match day one too. Yeah, exactly. So it was a really tough start to the fixtures and, and we're going to have another tough run in a few weeks. But uh, it'll just be interesting to see how, how Phelan responds to that. And, and obviously we've brought in some replacements or some, some reinforcements, I should say, who um, hopefully make the squad a bit more... Bit more cohesive and give us a few few more options off the bench to really um, 
press home the advantage of, of our good start to the season. Um, Has Beelin been made permanent yet, SM? Or? No, so he, he, he's he been in contract negotiations with the owners, but I think it's been made difficult by the fact we have um, basically two sets of owners at the moment, um, so both of them have to sign off on all of these sorts of things. Um, there, there's been a lot of talk about the fact that they've the Chinese consortium has failed the fit and proper test, which from my understanding is just because there's 10 members of the consortium and initially they, the, the Premier League was told there was only two. Um, so there's been some issues in terms of consistencies and, and, and looking into all of their backgrounds. But the impression I'm getting is they may still end up being the owners, but for the time being, I think that's all kind of up in the air a little bit. So it wouldn't surprise me if it takes another few weeks for, for Phelan to get the job, but to be honest, I think it's just a formality at this stage. I can't em envisage a, t a world where he doesn't get the job or someone else gets brought in or he walks away or anything like that. So, um, yeah, out of interest, because he, he, he did manage to get the Manager of the Month award. I mean, I can't think of the last time a caretaker manager would have won it. I mean, would, it would have had to be someone like Hiddink or someone like that for Chelsea, but I can't imagine there would be many caretakers to win the award. Yeah, definitely. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah. Wouldn't uh, think so. Joe, Joe Kinnear was the only name that came to mind for me in terms of caretaker managers, but there's, there's no way in hell he, would, he ever would have won manager of the month, I think. Well, one of uh, Phelan's competitors for the award was Pep Guardiola, and he, he started um, his time at City in, in great fashion with another win on the last weekend or the weekend before against West Ham, winning 3-1. Um, since it was your mob, I'll start with you, DB. And um, is it worrying signs for West Ham that, that you've been exposed um, in, in another game this season? I mean, Chelsea on the opening weekend was sort of threatening to run away with that game before um, Collins got one back and, and then Costa scored the winner. But um, Guardiola has really set up Man City in such a, in such a good way. And, and, and how did it how did it look to you and how did you see West Ham? Man City, first of all, the first 20 minutes, they played us off the park. Their passing was crisp. Their movement off the ball was was fantastic. And, you know, that's why they scored two goals in the first 20 minutes. And it's the best 20 minutes of football I've seen from a team in the Premier League in probably quite some time in terms of the quality they played, I, I reckon. But it, from a West Ham point of view, you we're missing our two most important players in Dimitri Payet and Manuel Lanzini. And, and those two are the ones who get on the ball and really um, create a lot of opportunities and pass the ball around. And without those two, we're very predictable in terms of just long balls to the, to the lone striker. And it wasn't until halftime when sort of uh, Billage made a few changes, Gokentore got taken off and uh, Antonio got moved from his full-back position um, and we put Lanzini on and all of a sudden we start getting a bit of a foothold in the game. So, um, you, you know, it is disappointing. We've lost two of our first three, but they are Chelsea and Man City away. They're not, you know, games that you would expect to take many points from. So uh, we're in, meant to be in having... In fairness, though, you, you did manage to take points in those sorts of games quite a lot last season. That's true, but I think it was more a uh, smash and grab sort of thing early on in the season yeah. when we weren't very predictable and... Um, you, you know, last season as well, we, we lost games at home to likes of Swansea and Bournemouth. So yeah. I'm hoping sort of this time around we, we take care of business uh, in terms of that going forward. Cruyff, um, from your point of view, what, what has Pep brought to the Premier League? And do you see this sort of 
performance from City is sustainable over the course of the season? Well, de- definitely. I mean, Kiz always says on the board that um, the, the way Guardiola's come in and says he wants players, or defenders in particular, to be able to be comfortable on the ball, hence the purchase of John Stones. I mean, it's, it's things like that where he's teaching defenders to defend midfielders to help the defenders defend, the forwards drop back, they press, and then they all move forward in like a one cohesive movement. It's, it's only good for the Premier League, in my opinion, the appointment of uh, Pepe, Pepe City. Um, and then um, who would you say has been City's standout player so far? Would it be someone like Raheem Sterling, who, who got named um, Player of the Month, or, or Aguero has also had a relatively good start to the season, or what can you pinpoint as as the player perhaps behind their good start to the season? Oh, Joe Hart, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's probably Sterling, but I think I think it's a number. I'd, I I wouldn't say it's a player. I'd say it's Pep. To me, it's Pep. But if I had to say someone on the field, you'd, you'd Sterling would be one of the obvious candidates. Sterling, Aguero. I think Nacho's been good. Um. And, and Nolito, too, even though he's been sort of an impact sub, I think he's done very well, too. Uh, and then just rounding up the other fixtures from the weekend, um, Spurs and Liverpool played out the early game in a 1-1 draw. Um, do we see that as a fair result? Or um, I mean, Liverpool seemed to certainly be all over them in the first half and really could have been up a couple of goals. I think Coutinho spurned a pretty easy chance um, quite early into the game. Um, and then obviously Spurs pulled it back in the second half. Did we did we see that result as a fair one, or, or who did you see as perhaps deserving the win? Uh, I think yeah, I think fair given Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool had the better of the first half, but then Spurs sort of picked them back in the second. So I thought uh, a draw was a fair result. Spurs does really need Harry Kane to get back in form, but it's pretty much a repeat of last season where he didn't score the first ten games, and he still ended up. Scoring, you know, close to 20 goals. So, uh, you know, they're, they're a different team when he's up and running and in form, really. Um, Chelsea with 3-0 victors over Burnley, and, and certainly a man who's back in form is Eden Hazard. Um, do we do we see him as back to his best now, and, and, and do we see him sort of continuing this form through the season? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I would wait till Chelsea actually play a, a good sort of top four team and see whether he actually produces it in that sort of game. Yep, fair enough. Um, Palace oh. pl- played out a 1-1 draw with Bournemouth with, um, I think it was Palace who got the last minute um, equaliser in that one. Um, Benteke ran out for his first game for Bourm- <coughs> for Palace, I should say, in that one. Um Everton 1-0 winners over Stoke, and, and that seemed like a game where they pretty much just ground out that result, and I think should have had <coughs> should have had a few more goals in the end, to be honest, and the one that did come was um, pretty unfortunate for Given going in off the back of his head. Um, Leicester 2-1 over Swansea was the first win for the, for the champions of the season, so they're sort of off and running now. Um, where do we see... I'll just ask you guys, where do we see Leicester finishing this season because they've, they've obviously had a slow-ish start to the season um, even though we're only three games in um, do we see them as sort of being that sort of top 10 challenger or, or will they really kind of drop back into the ranks I don't think 7 to 10 around that I don't think that I think Champions League despite the soft draw they've got will quite take quite a bit out of them um, and there's not really much experience in there either in terms of Champions League stuff so I think that might pick them back a bit and you sort of see them in the, I guess, the, the 7 to 10 sort of spots. I, I had them coming in about 7 for 8 as well. I think 
Vardy and Mares are the two who really need to try and get back into last season form. I think Mares hasn't scored or assisted yet so far this season. Oh, you got the, you got the, pen, you got the penalty against us on opening day. I got the penalty, okay. So, but otherwise, they yeah. really haven't had as much influence as what, as what they had last season. So um, that's why they're probably around mid-table at the moment, I would say. Um, Southampton had a 1-1 draw with Sunderland, which was a little bit surprising because I thought Southampton would kind of stroll stroll in that game. Um, Sunderland took the lead pretty late on through Defoe and then Southampton equalised. But um, it was certainly a good point for Sunderland in that one. And um, we've had quite a few penalties to start the season, um, especially I noticed it last weekend, I think, in the Spurs-Liverpool game, Palace-Bournemouth, Everton-Stoke, Leicester-Swansea, Southampton, Sunderland, that they all had penalties in those games. Um our game some had of, one too. Yeah, and, and some of some of that's probably coming from um, this, these new directives coming through about holding in the box. Um, and is it or, or is it just a coincidence that we've we've seemed to have this kind of influx of penalties over the uh, over the weekend? I, th- I think these new rules have played a part, and I think some of some of the penalties have been silly. But it's good to see the referees stepping up. But they do need to sort of be, I think, be more consistent. If I, I think if we look at the City and Stoke game to press on an older issue, um, I, I don't think the, the penalty on Sterling was there at all. Yeah, I, w- I would have it as a coincidence sort of at the moment. I think it's just early season and refs just trying to stamp their authority sort of on games and that. And I think sort of as the season goes along, that'll probably even out more, I, I would say. And there's... There's been some missed penalties as well, you could say, especially from, I think it was the, the second week of fixtures, there were a few sort of um, potential penalties that I think got missed. So. Uh, yeah, and then and then the final result, which was probably the one least worth talking about, was West Brom 0-0 with Borough. Um, I think the less said about that game, the better. Um, I, I actually had yeah. to watch this game in a pub <laughs> as well, because I was with a Middlesbrough fan, and it was the worst 90 minutes of football I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, I actually stayed up and watched it because I was waiting for the uh, City-West Ham game, which I think was that that was on afterwards, wasn't it? Yeah, no, that was on afterwards. I think I think the highlight of the West Brom game was uh, Sayu Berahino coming on. Oh, yeah. Surely the highlight of West Brom supporters. Surely the highlight of that match was the, was the, the final whistle, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do agree, though. It was a funny sight. I mean, you wouldn't see it very often where a player basically gets stripped down and told to warm up to come on, and then he sits on the step behind the manager for about 10 minutes. So that was uh, certainly an odd one. Um, and then on the topic of Perahino, um we sort of expected him to, to make a move away from West Brom in the uh, transfer window, but deadline day came and went, and he's still a West Brom player. Um, so we'll talk now about a few of the deadline day signings that might have um, caught your attention. Um Probably the biggest ones, obviously, was Sissoko signing for Spurs and, and David Luiz heading back to Chelsea uh, for a second stint. Um, what did you guys make of the Sissoko signing for Spurs? I mean, early on the day, Spurs said they weren't going to meet Newcastle's valuation, then Everton met it, and then at the very last minute, Spurs kind of came in and, and nabbed him from um, Everton, who who really seemed to get pretty short-changed in this one, because I think Kerman was trying to call him and he wouldn't pick up his phone. Um, which to me seems a bit of a dog act, but um, do you think Sissoko will improve Spurs? I think, I think it's good depth for them. I, 
if when he wants to play, he can he can definitely play. But it's uh, it's it's when, not if. Um, or, I mean, it's it, it's it's a good depth signing. Thirty million. Today's market is too hard to tell with with the inflation. Is it good value? Is it too much? Is it not enough? Um, but I, I think it adds adds uh, decent depth to their to their squad. I think Newcastle did very very well to get thirty million for a player who was very average in the Premier League and turned probably three or four good performances in the Euros to increase his transfer price by about fifteen million or so. I would say, but. I think for Spurs, he gives them something a little bit different in terms of what they have in their midfield and attacking midfield. I don't really have a, a player with his sort of power and pace. So um, he'll give them something different. As as Croy said, it just depends on, you know, when he decides to turn up, turn up and how often that's going to be, I suppose. And then David Luiz heading back to Chelsea. I mean, it seems to have been the window for players returning to old clubs. Um do we see Luiz as a better defender than when he left, or, or is he sort of... I mean, I've seen a few people suggest that he's actually gotten worse since he's been at PSG. I would agree with that. I oh, saw the PSG Monaco game, and he gave away a stupid penalty, and, <laughs> um, you know, he doesn't look like he's improved defensively much at all based on that effort. And, you know, Antonio Conte had Chiellini and, and those sorts at Juventus, and now he's now he's got David Luiz, so... Uh, <laughs> Now, if you can turn him around, it'll be a miracle job, I reckon. I never really rated Luis as a defender. He was very good on the ball, but he he lacked the composure and and decision making to be um, a world class defender. Or I always found him to be a bit rash. Um, I I think he'd be better suited to be played in midfield. But I mean, I'm not a football manager, so what do I know? Um, and then West Ham were involved in a few signings, uh, DB. I mean, Valencia went across to Everton on loan, um, even though I think Swansea tried to announce it on their website that he'd actually joined them. But um, he, he did sign for Everton in the end. And, and you also managed to get Arbeloa in on a free uh, free contract um, from Real Madrid. Um, but does that basically confirm that Antonio won't be playing right back anymore? Pretty much does, which is good news because Antonio is not a fullback. He's a right winger who, playing as a fullback, he would always run forward and always get ahead of the ball. And he'd be prone to uh, making one or two gaffes in defence. Like he gave away, he's given away quite a few penalties as well when he's played at fullback. So Arvaloa, you know, he's not going to offer anything from an attacking sense, but he's solid. Would um, be a good mentor for Sam Byron as well as a right back. So. Pretty happy with him as a signing. Um, and then Enna Valencia, well, sort of... Th- this is why you don't sign players who have good World Cups because, you know, he had a couple of good games in the 2014 World Cup, got signed for about 12, 14 million, and he scored about 10 goals in 60 games in the Premier League since then. So, um, well, it's you funny. know, he, he's got... It was funny because I remember his debut was against us when we'd signed Diami from you guys, and it seemed to be a game where all the new signings scored because Diami scored for us, Valencia scored a screamer for you guys, Hernandez then scored for us as well, and then Hernandez and Valencia in particular had really poor seasons, so it was sort of a false dawn with how they performed in that game. Yeah, no, that's right. I remember that game now that you mention it. Um, I, I mean, Valencia had a pretty decent start, and then sort of he got found out pretty quickly and um, I think R- Kuman wants to use him sort of as a winger sort of like how he's a 
bit of a poor man Sadio Mane, I suppose. So that's how I envision Koeman trying to play him, sort of on the wing. Um, and then probably the other big move for the window was, oh, on deadline day, I should say, was um, Wilfred Bonney signing for, for Stoke on loan, um, which I see as a pretty good signing, to be honest, because he, he seems to be suited to that level of club. And then if he can start each week for them, I'm sure he'll bang in quite a few goals for them. So, Cruyff, how did you see that one? Yeah, I think I think good good signing, sort of target man, holds the ball up sort of thing. So um, if, if he plays in a role similar to what he had at Swansea, there's no reason why he won't have a, a good career at Stoke. I think he's an upgrade on what they had at Stryker previously. I think they sold Giselu and um, otherwise they've got Geoff and Peter Crouch, but... It just really depends if he if he can get back into that Swansea form or not. But um, you know, at least he'll get a regular run of games. You would think at Stoke. Um, we'll move on now then and chat about the previews for uh, the coming fixtures and we'll start with the probably the biggest game of the weekend which is the Manchester Derby uh, which is the early game tonight at 9.30 um, on SBS, on Optus so hopefully everyone can tune in for that one. Um, Aguero missing for City at Manchester United. Do we see this going in favour of the home team? Mm, it's going to be tight. I would not... Um, underestimate Pep at all. I mean, yes, Aguero is a great player, but Pep is good enough to be able to manage without um, him in his lineup. Uh, I, I think it'll be a, a, a battle of tactics rather than the personnel who, who are on the field. I've got a nil-nil stalemate. Usually, one of the uh, Manchester derbies is a stinker every season, and uh, I think it might be this one this time around. I, I see sort of a bit of a defensive. Dower struggle, especially City playing away, not having Aguero, they might set up a bit more defensively. I think so. What's your score prediction, Grove? Let's say two-two. Two-two. Yeah, I might I might go for a two-one victory for United in this one. I think um, I think City will manage to score a goal, but I think uh, United. I mean, Ibra especially will be really up for the game against Guardiola, who he doesn't have the best of relationships with by all reports. Um, and as you say, I think Pogba and, and Ibra will be performing a little bit better in this one than than the last time out. Hopefully, conditions are a little bit better. And um, yeah, I could probably see see United just getting over the top in that one. So um, if Zlatan scores, do you think he's going to do a celebration where he runs in front yeah, of like Guardiola? And, he may uh, well, yeah, run, run the length of the field just to he'll do a Suarez against Evan and he'll, he'll run the length of the field just to celebrate right in front of the manager's dugout. Um, and yeah, I think there's a lot of personalities going into that game, so it's going to be really interesting to see um, which of them comes out on top. Um, for the midnight games, we've got Burnley up against Hull, which... Um, from a neutral's perspective, isn't the most glamorous tie, but um, I guess it's going to be really interesting because Burnley have a four and zip record against us in the Premier League, 
Um, so they've certainly well and truly got the wood over us. But I think with the new signings coming in and, and with the game style of Phelan playing a bit more attacking, um, I'd give us a pretty decent chance in this one, even though um, Andre Gray may well have been banned for some homophobic comments he'd made years and years ago, but I think that's now been delayed. Um, and I think there's just a bit of issue with a couple of our players coming back from international duty. I know Hernandez only got back in yesterday, I think, from Uruguay. Um, where he played 14 minutes of football, which is you know always, always worth the, the round trip. Um, but if he's fit to start, and I think he will, um, I think we we should be able to get this one done maybe 2-0, I reckon. Um, Bournemouth against West Brom, I'll, I'll get thoughts from you, Cruyff, on this one, um, especially because one of the players we didn't mention who signed on deadline day was obviously Jack Wilshere going to Bournemouth on a season-long loan. Do, do you see him... Um, changing their prospects. I think a lot had them going down this season, but do you think he's got the quality to keep them up? Um, well, he's he's a talented player, no doubt. It's just he's he's not on the pitch enough. If he can stay on the pitch, I think he'll be a, a big asset to Bournemouth. But it's just if, I guess, is, is a big question. Uh, and then, so how do you see this, this game panning out? Do you see Bournemouth getting up at home against West Brom, or do you think Pulis will manufacture a smash and grab? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a, a 1-0 Bournemouth. Um, and then DB, we've got West Ham up against Watford. Um, two sides have had pretty inconsistent starts to the season. Um, you guys should be getting Lanzini and Pyatt back into the starting lineup, from all reports. Do you see do you see them coming in and, and West Ham getting the win at home? Yeah, I'd be uh, expecting a win here for West Ham. Probably I've got us winning 3-0 in this one, and... Uh, we also have the world's greatest penalty taker in Simone uh, Zaza oh, should yeah. be getting a start as well. So hopefully he can uh, bang bang a couple in, which will be good. So, well, what, what do you make of that um, signing? Because you were just saying that you know you shouldn't sign players based on a, on a good World Cup, and and he seems to be one that's been signed bas- on the back of the Euros, even though he doesn't necessarily have a great record in that in those Euros, as you've alluded to. Um, what do you make of that signing? I mean, he's got a decent enough goal-scoring record when he played for uh, Sazulu and then Juventus in, in Serie A. He, did, he didn't get much sort of game time at, at Juventus, really. But, um, but we we chased a striker all off-season. We tried to get Lacazette and Batshui, and we missed out on those two. And I think Zaza was really the only choice that we had in the end because Carlos Baca um, ended up staying at Milan as well. So... I think we, we got him for about a five million loan fee, and then if he makes about twenty starts, we have to pay twenty million for him permanently. So uh, I, I'm hoping he can, you know, he's an upgrade on on the likes of Andy Carroll, and that I, I would be hoping. So um, hopefully, you know, and that was the thing for let's say Leicester last season. You know, Jamie Vardy was a twenty goal scorer, and having one of those really moves you up into sort of the top echelon in the Premier League. So that's what I'm hoping Zaza can replicate for us. Um, Croft, another side that's uh, brought in a, a player who should be getting them about 15, 20 goals for the season is Palace with um, Benteke coming into the side. It sounds like Remy's going to be out for a couple of months with an injury, so it's not been a great start in that sense for Palace, um, and they missed out on Wilshire as well. Um, they're away at Middlesbrough this weekend. Borough have had a pretty good start to the season, whereas Palace have had a pretty poor start to the season. Do you see Borough getting up in this one, or, or can you see some of those signings for Palace um, helping them get up and get a win? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Borough at home is definitely yeah, a, a big advantage. 
Um, I, I'd, I'd put my money on them if I was a betting man. Um, and I, I just don't rate Pudge as a manager. I, 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 th- I think he won't last a season. Um, he's only won four games in 2016 or something. So it's, it's amazing that he survived this long. And, and I think Borough at home are, are a tough prospect, as, as you mentioned. So I'd be fancying them to get the three points. In, in maybe like a 1-0 or 2-0 or sort of victory? Or, or do you see it being a bit more high scoring? 2-0. 2-0? Fair enough. Um, and yep. I'll stick with yep. you uh, to, fit, to preview your mob who are playing Southampton, who, who seem to be one of your bogey sides just about. Um, I think there was a draw and a 4-0 win to Southampton last season. Um, you're at home for this one. Do you see things being a bit different this season? Do you see you guys getting the three points? I see... Well, they've lost money. Um, change of manager as well. Um, I, th- I think we've strengthened too. So and, and being a bit, being players, yeah, um, I see and hopefully And DB, how do you see this game panning out? Do you see Arsenal getting the chocolates? Yeah, Arsenal should get the job done here. Southampton have had a pretty indifferent start to the season under the new manager, uh, Claude Poole, and I don't think they've won away at Arsenal in quite some time, so I don't expect that to change here. So I think Arsenal will win probably uh, 2-0. And then we've also got uh, Stoke at home to Spurs. I'll start with you on this one, DB. Um, the player we've just been talking about, Wilfred Boney, will like, likely start for Stoke in this one. Um, and Spurs have had a pretty slow start to the season. We were talking about it before with Kane not yet scoring, and it takes them a little while to warm up. Um, it could be quite an interesting game because both sides would really be keen for the three points. I mean, it's surprising to see that Stoke are 20th, which, um, you know, just thinking over the first few weeks, you'd think someone like Palace or Bournemouth may well be 20th, but it's actually Stoke. Um who do you see coming out on top in this one? Yeah, I think Spurs will win this one 2-1. Um, I was a bit indifferent on Stoke coming into this season just because of the way they finished off last season. And uh, it sort of looks like they've carried the end of last season's form into into this season so far. And, um, you know, defensively, they don't seem as solid as what they were. Um, you know, Man City scored, what, three or four goals away at the bet 365 in, in the second game of the season against them. So, uh, you know, Spurs won this fixture, um, I think it was 4-0 last season. So uh, I reckon Spurs should get the job done here as well. Um, I'll get both your thoughts on this one because it's quite a big one uh, between Liverpool and Leicester uh, at Anfield. So it's the first home game of the season for Liverpool with the stand, I think, finally completed. Um both sides have had pretty patchy starts to the season. Le- Liverpool with that loss to Burnley, Leicester losing to Hull. So they've both had losses to promoted clubs. Um, Liverpool at home, though, do you just get the sense, I'll start with you, Cruyff, do you just get the sense that they might um, steamroll Leicester a little bit? Maybe, but if if Marius can exploit Moreno, or Moreno rather, um, it could Quite a very bad day for Liverpool down that down their left hand side, um, because we've seen he's an inex, he's inexperienced, not inexperienced, but he's he's not a great defender. He makes poor decisions, uh, um, and he's he's quite rash a lot of the time too. So if if Mares turns it on, um, I, I think uh, Liverpool might struggle to contain him. But on the other hand, Liverpool have have money too on the opposite wing, so that might give 
him a, a, a bit of a boost as well. And with, with Coutinho too, and if Sturridge plays or Origi, uh, or Origi rather, uh, it, it should it should uh, push them over the line being Anfield. And Debbie, how do you see it? I've got this one as a 2-2 draw. I think there'll definitely be goals in it. And I think Cruyff makes a really good point about uh, Mourinho, who's uh, Liverpool fans, you know, not very happy that they're... You know, uh, Jurgen Klopp stuck with him as their left back. Um, although it'll be interesting to see if he plays or whether they still go with James Milner at left back as well. That's a possibility. But uh, no, I think that there'll definitely be goals. Um, I think probably Sadio Mane will get one and probably Sturridge for Liverpool. But uh, I think Mares and probably Jamie Vardy will get one as well. So I've got this one as 2 2. Um, and then Swansea at home to Chelsea. I'll get your thoughts for this one, Cruyff. Do we see this as just a routine win for Chelsea? Yes. <laughs> in, in, a, in a word? In, 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 a, in a word, yes. Do, uh, um, what, do you, what do you think Swansea need to focus on to really improve for the season? Because they've obviously had a pretty slow start themselves. I would say scoring goals, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> they, they, they lost they, they lost Boney... Did you say they tried to get him back, or was it someone else? Uh, no, I think that they were trying to get um, Valencia on loan from from West Ham. I mean, which, which probably would have helped them, but I mean, they, they they just lacked the, and they've lost Ashley Williams too. So um, I, I would I would say score goals, and you might win some games. <laughs> Revolutionary concept. <laughs> um, in the final game. Oh, for I the, know. Yeah, well. <laughs> Final game for the weekend, um, which is, I think, Tuesday morning. Our time is Sunderland up against Everton. Um, DB, how do you see this one? Because um, there's a few uh, storylines in this one, kind of like the, the Manchester derby. We've got Moyes up against his old club. We've got um, the three or four Everton signings that he's made at, at Sunderland all up against their old club. We've got, who is it, an HB, um, uh Who was the other one that they've signed? Um, Rod... Uh, uh, was it uh, Tony Hibbert, was it? No, it was, it was, it was a midfielder, I'm thinking. Pina. Name went out of my head for some reason. Oh, yeah, Pina, Stephen and then Pina, they've yeah. got Rod Weld. So they've got a few ex, uh, ex-toffies in their lineup. Um, are ever, do you think Everton are just sort of starting to click under Kerman and, and should get the points? Yeah, I reckon they'll probably get the points in, in this one. They're calling this on the David Moyes derby, <laughs> which is... Uh, <laughs> Interesting, I suppose. It's given a bit of spice to this fixture. So, uh, no, I think uh, Everton are starting to click a little bit on the on the human. And uh, has Lukaku even played for Everton? He's this come season? off the bench. I mean, he he came off he came off the bench after about thirty minutes against West Brom, and, and I have a feeling he started against Stoke, um, but wasn't able to get. Um, a goal in either of those games and I, I think he's actually struggled to score in the last few games of last season as well um, so it's going to be interesting to see yeah, how he does um, and then obviously the other striker who has done well is Defoe for, for Sunderland Yeah, no, Defoe is so important to Sunderland, I think he's actually, if you looked at in all of the Premier League the one player who's most important to their team is probably Defoe at Sunderland because he got injured they would have no one who could score goals, and actually, they might actually get relegated for once if that happens. <laughs> but, uh, so you see, but, but, no, they pro- they'll probably escape as they all, always do, coming seventeenth. And... So, so do you see um, Everton getting the three points? What, what, what kind of scoreline do you see? I've, I'll say two-one. Uh, Defoe will score because he, well, he always does, and 
Um, but Everton will get two counter-attacking goals uh, late uh, to, to win. Fair enough. Uh, well, well, thank you both for coming on. We've kind of covered uh, a fair bit with the uh, international break there, so we've got covered deadline day as well as um, the last set of fixtures. So uh, thank you, Cruyff. Thank you for having me. And thank you, DB. That's all right. It's good to finally have Premier League back on. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait for it tonight. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening in. Uh, and until next week, we'll see you on the forums.